This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Wednesday afternoon. My name's Kevin Graham and welcome to the on Bulletin on this fine autumn day, I would say, as the country runs out of petrol, diesel, energy prices gone up, or because of a B word that is the ball and golly. Brian, I'm going to come to you first. Um, why were we not invited to join the young team yesterday? That's I've no idea. I will left left in the sander. I was just looking at the midweek maestros are back. This is great. The boys are all together. Big call. He's off to the young team parading about. The schemes in his tackles. Can you believe it? I know. I don't know with that. I just, I just look at another at the bottle of buck fast in my hand as well. <laughs> <laughs> the great, the great joggy bottoms and kicking about the park. Oh, I've been years, been years since that. It's been a case, Kev. Aye. What I want today is, I, I want to have a look at a wee moment that I had during the. Uh, the Dundee game, and it's something that made me consider the whole where we find ourselves as a football club at this precise moment in time. I find myself getting a bit annoyed during the game on Sunday with certain aspects, and I didn't usually get annoyed during a game. I usually have one melt during a season at a football game, and like over the last few years, it's been a Scott Brown induced meltdown at certain certain times. Eh, but this has been my first meltdown in the stadium in, in about uh, like eighteen months, whatever it's been. And I kept on getting annoyed with Anthony Ralston trying to take folk folk heads off with close balls, and Tom Rogic playing the ball out of the park. And I wondered, I says, why, why am I getting? Like 
really, really uptight about this because I can't control what happens on the park. Many of us can control what happens on the park. It just seems like a kind of wasted energy, like shouting and screaming. That's a good release, I must admit, but at the end of it, you just feel a bit, mm, that was no, no kind of laddie. Uh, that, kind of, that kind of wasn't worth its while. And it went back to the Ayetimus just after Dundee United had equalised. And when he spooned that ball across the bar, I was like, oh, that's, that's a big mess. Hopefully we can recover for that. And over the next five five to ten minutes, I saw the confidence completely drain for that Celtic side. That, that mess put us into, like, football purgatory at that moment. So it was about ten minutes later, and I'm having a look about, look around about me in the stand, and there's thousands of empty seats. The atmosphere's no great. And I'm like, this is, I don't think we've bought into this. I don't think us as a football club have actually bought into what we're actually, what we're facing and what we're actually seeing. I don't think, for me, we haven't really bought into what we're actually facing. Then, basically, it was like, I'll tell you, me and my daughter sit in a row. And me and my daughter have only been the two people sitting that, sat in that row all this season. There's been nobody else there. But if you go on the Celtic website, it says those seats are sold. So either the people are not turning up or the seats are not sold or they're just not available for, for sale. So I'm thinking to myself, we've no really bought into exactly where we are. The last 15 minutes on Sunday, Celtic Park was not a nice place for anybody to play football. It was not a nice place for anybody to be. Um, the, the crowd got in the back on the top of the players Adam Montgomery was arguing with somebody in the main stand with about a couple of minutes to go when somebody from the main stand must have said something to him. As Milo Sorrow was actually apologising to the crowd when he when he fired another misplaced pass. And I'm going, this is an absolutely horrible atmosphere. This is no conducive of where we should be as a football team or where, where we should be supporting the team because that, that's what we're there for. Then, at the, the, the lap of appreciation, we can call it, because it's not a lap of honour, a lap of appreciation, the amount of supporters who were there, and as is their right, giving the players abuse, <laughs> actually giving the players dogs abuse. As I was watching this unfold, I had a look, I look, I had a look up to the, the main stand, the, direct, the, the directors, okay? And I was like... Yous are getting a reason here if yous want to push the button on this. Nothing, yous are now seeing it in the stadium, the negativity, which is online, offline. You're now seeing it in the stadium. That's where they, they, they won't watch shows like this. They won't read any of the papers. They won't read any of the message boards or anything like that. But in the stadium, that reaction from this, a section of the crowd was, they see that. They, they, they actually do see that, eh? Walking out that stadium, I, I went like that to myself. I'm now 30, 70 that Ange won't last the season because of that reaction. I don't think the board have got the stomach to see this through, eh, rightly or wrongly. And again, people are coming and saying, I'm not depressed. I'm just saying how I felt when I walked out this game. I think the, the board... We'll take the cowards well out the fault of all the money. If they see the cash cow, which is us support, 
not going to turn up. They're going to push the button on Ange. And now, if you're asking me, at this precise moment in time, it's fair to certainty if Ange is going to see out the, see out the season. Brian, I think we're pulling in all different di- directions. I do think we're pulling in all di- different directions. And there's a lot of... There's a lot of there's a lot of circumstances. There's, there, there is a lot of circumstances of where we are, uh, but I think the board are cowards and won't haven't got the stomach for what is going to be a long rebuild. I think one of the things that spring to mind there's a a German word called Welschmerz, and what that means is it's basically the depression it's caused when you imagine the world a certain way to be compared to the way it is. It's called well, it's it's basically the translation would be world weariness. And I think that the issue around Celtic just now is that the fans are, are saying this is where Celtic should be. We're judging it on this is where Celtic should be. This is the football we should be playing. This is the teams we should be beating. And that's right. But the problem is the reality is we're here. We spoke about the, the shambles behind the scenes. We spoke about the the, the, the issues connected with the club and, and I think that, that German phrase sums it up and that's the frustration because people see the club a certain way but the reality is we're far below it. In terms of people pulling in different directions, um, you mentioned being in football purgatory. To use another biblical analogy, um, I'll paraphrase Brendan Rodgers and say that we're actually experiencing the unholy trinity, unholy trinity just now because you've got the board, you've got Ange and you've got the fans and each one, they all want success for Celtic but they've all got different pathways to get it. The board are going to adopt, I think, there's a, a typical risk-averse strategy. You know, when Don came in, he spoke about revolutionising the crop or modernising it, blah, blah, blah. He bought on a manager that fitted that mould. The fans bought into it. All of a sudden, he's no there. The board went radio silent. I, I'm assuming, like UK, they're going to go, hold on, can we just get a safe option and ride it this season and then take it to the next season? They're the equivalent of someone that was months to months and never budgets for the future. It, it, it's short-termism and it's worst. With that in mind, then you've got Ange, who's a long-term manager. He's never had success at any club in his first season. It takes him time to implement both his style, his philosophy, get the players in line, get them fit, get them strong. But he always has success. He's been proving it every level he's managed that. But then you've got the fans who want the short-term success, who want instant success. And to be honest, rightly so, because they back the club in a period of financial and, you know, it, um, <clears throat> health uncertainty you know they didn't know what's going to happen with the pandemic but they all put their money, their, their money where their mouth is they all back the club they've done their part and they're expecting results so you get the fans want instant results and she's going to take longer to get the results and the board to seem to be so risk averse they're looking at short termism but ultimately what that's going to do is you know I, I keep getting frustrated about some of the takes on Ange and I'm sure we'll talk about them later but the Real Betis game for example we were talking about how you know, he should have went there, sat in deep and tried to counter-attack, tried to soak up pressure. Now, we've been doing that for how many years at Europe? How many times have we done that in Europe? And what success has it brought us? None. So at least trying a different approach, you know, buy into that. But the problem with that different approach is, like I think we all said at the start of the season, you're going to get a few black eyes doing it until you're at the point where you reach a certain level. And just before I pass, I want to get back to the Brendan Rogers uh, thought. Oh, you're, not, you're not allowed to mention Brendan seemingly. Oh, we've seemingly, seemingly mentioned Brendan far too much. Oh, well. <laughs> Is that you, Colin? <laughs> Is it Colin? No, I thought you to mention. Um, no, mentioning Brendan, just because his approach in Europe is the same as Postacoglu's in a lot of ways. 
he wanted Celtic to be good enough to play the football they play regardless of their opponent and we got a couple of doings for it no doubt about that but we would have got better over time I've no doubt about that but the problem is we're no a club or a fan base suited to that sort of let's take a hit for a couple of years and move on Juventus are seeing the same thing with um, Allegri going back you know last week they were sitting in the relegation zone after losing nine in a row you know what I mean? Things take time for a rebuild, and that was the rebuilding scale we're facing it. So, uh, you know, long windy dancer, but I think probably Kev, my concern is yours. I, I think the board will will get to we'll maybe get to January, maybe February, um, and then decide. No, let's let's get Martin Ealing as director of football and, and John Kennedy as manager. I do. I think that's their approach, and I think it's the wrong one. I'm going to bring up Donny's ball, Donny Boy 67's comment here. Seven games in and talking about changing the manager. That's a joke, guys. We're not talking about changing the manager. What I was, no. what I, what I was saying was how I felt walking out the stadium. I wouldn't change the manager after seven games. I reckon Postacoglu needs time. I've already said <laughs> that I'm. He's at least Kevin. He's at least two more transfer windows. At least. So it, we're not saying we want to change the manager. Or just saying the thing that old might panic is is the thing. I don't think anybody's wanting the manager to change. I don't think, listen, even if I hated post the call clue, you can't change the manager now because you're left then in the exact same position you were in, in February, in, in June, where you've got no structure, no squad in place, no no you know football and infrastructure in place. So that it, it, anybody coming in would struggle. So if you change the manager now, you're back to where you were a couple of months ago. Well, it's in a way. What, what, what I fear, Colin, is what comes next if the board did press the button. And I think Brian sort of alluded it, to it there. It would come back to an old faithful, uh, unimaginative appointment, which would probably split the fan base even more. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think about that? I mean, that's, that's what I fear. I fear if Postacoglu fails. If Postacoglu fails, what comes next is going to be worse. I think everybody needs to kind of sit down and remember that we're talking about 12 games into a guy's managerial spell just now. I mean, I read some comments through the week saying he's got two more games and he's gone. Jesus, man. 14 games you're willing to judge a guy on when he's had a a fully fit squad maybe once or twice in that period. Now, I, I wasn't at the game on Sunday. I wasn't well, otherwise I would have been at the game. So I, I didn't actually hear that. What did kind of concern me was the approach that Celtic TV were taking on Sunday. Um, and they actually asked the players and the manager the exact same question. And they says, now that um, we're without X, Y and Z, it does mean that uh, teams having conceded six goals here already this season are now coming in and sitting back against us. What does that mean? Do we have to change the philosophy? And I'm going, I've not seen that from any team that's came to Celtic Park this season. Every team that's came here has came out and had a go at us. You look at Hearts, Dundee United and St Mirren both lost six twos but still had a go. Even Rafe when they came here had a go. So I was not surprised in the slightest that Dundee United were going to come out and have a go at us on Sunday because they're a very well-structured team under Tam Colts this season. What Celtic have at the minute is they have about 12 or 13 players that they can turn to. You're talking about your starting 11, and then there's maybe one or two options on the bench where you're saying, if you need to change this game up, they're the two players that you can turn to. 
and everybody else that's on there, they're either there to make up the numbers or to replace people that's injured. They're not somebody where if you need a goal, you're going to turn to them. But of that 11 or 12 players that's actually there at the minute, how many of them are actually stepping up? We're without our captain right now in Callum McGregor. The armband's been handed to Joe Hart. No one there is actually being the leader on the park. It's, it's all great having the experience of Joe Hart, and I think Joe Hart's been a great signing since he joined us. But who in the middle of the field is actually saying, I'm in control, I'm going to be the one that you can rely upon? Up front, Albina Yeti's let us down again. We've got no one else there. Yakamatis is hopefully fit. But we need the performances to come from the guys on the park. It's so easy just to say after 12 games that this whole strategy isn't working. You need the players to buy into it as well. And on Sunday, there was very few, if any, got pass marks for that performance. And it was the same against Livingston. And you see it when it comes to a bigger stage. Against Betis, everybody was on form. They're firing, they're playing well. On Sunday, maybe Yota gets a pass mark and that's it. The players have to take the responsibility as well. I want to talk about Sunday as well. And you, funny enough, you mentioned Yota. Over the last three games, the Livingston, Rafe Rovers and... Livingston, Rafe Rovers and Dundee United. I had... I had thought certain players were playing themselves out the team, right? They were playing themselves out the team, but there was nobody else there to take to come in and take their jersey. So one of the players I thought was playing himself out of the team was Abada. I, I think he's been poor possibly since Ibrox. Yes, he scored fine, but I don't think his end product has been there. But then on on a Monday or Tuesday, I read a, a scout and a, or a an analysis article on the Celtic way, which says Abada was a was a most effective forward player for key passes, interceptions, winning the ball back in that. And I'm going, well, that's maybe me. This is maybe me, but I don't think Abada has been free flowing, free flowing, rip roaring Abada that he was at the start of the season. And I'm, I'm having a look at it, and, and, and when we're struggling in the second half during Dundee United, I'm gone. I would be taking. I, I forgot Abada was on the park, the same as the week before against Livingston. He got the ball in about 80 minutes, and I'm like, that. Ah, well, is he still there? Because he's actually done nothing. Tom Rogic has had the three worst games in the last three games for Celtic that he's had during any period of his Celtic career. He's been absolutely rotten the last three games but there's nobody to come in and actually take the pressure off him I think it's quite clear that Tom Rogic can't play three games a week Brian Yeah absolutely can't and I think yeah, I think it's a, a good point and when they done the United game so and it was just similar to Livingston although I think Livingston just across the world was bad but based on the United there's this narrative forming that Ange can't change he's, he's packed he, he can't approach a game a different way and it's fundamentally not true you, you, you look at when Kyogo's in a team Celtic play a high press right so they press for the front up that allows the midfield to win the ball back and drive forward the fullbacks invert as we know right when Kyogo's nowhere in the team and Ayeti's been in what he's asked the players to do then is start crossing the ball into the box more because he knows Ayeti won't press so he's changed that style so what he, then he's had to get our midfielders to win the ball back and that's where it's breaking down because he can't really do that so then in Dundee United, what he done was he switched wingers to see if they could penetrate a bit more. 
that didn't quite work. So then what he done was he told the fullbacks to stay wide and cross and the wingers to cut in and shoot and that's where Jota was having the shots. And then what that did is because they were coming in, that allowed Turnbull to overlap again. So he changed three or four things during the game. People talking about maybe he could try changing information. So let's talk about that against Dundee United. So very few players get pass marks, right? But Jota in particular was one that would have, right? So say you take him and Abadan and play them up front, you take two of your best players, most effective, out of position. Then if you're pushing wide, you're pushing Ralston as a right winger who's out of position. And you're asking another defender to come on and hope that wins you the game. For me, that I can see why people are frustrated and want to try different things, but it's clear that Ange has been adapting. As games been going, he has been trying different things. We had 23 shots in goal against Dundee United. Hit the underside of the bar three times. We've probably denied a penalty with the Seekers uh, tackle on a badder. A Yeti missed numerous sitters. And another day we've scalped him. The performance wasn't brilliant, granted. But I think one of the reasons for that is the squad fatigue. With the, 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 the level of intensity and, and pace, and, and this is why I think we've we had no success for the past few games, because we've not got the energy to press off the ball where we normally would. You said it'd be a badder. He's played almost um, they go through the window. So he's, again, he's changed tact, right? Abada, he's played almost every game. He's bound to get fatigued or his confidence going to go. He's only 19. But the fact is, there's nobody to come in and replace him, as you say. Roger can't even, you know, he's great once a week. Eight times a week when you're relying on him, he can't do it. Tumble as well. Tumble's almost indicative of a Celtic season, right? Because he's either really good or he's no. And it's just, I just think like, yeah, there's still there's huge problems with the squad. I think Costa Cola can only do so much. But I think John Cronin saying, you know, just win matches, just score that. I don't think that helps. It's like the, I'll use an analogy, a Kevin Graham analogy, right? Since you don't care. I'll use a Kevin Graham analogy. See if you're going to start the car and you're running late for work and the car doesn't start. And you go, right, it's a problem with the engine. A phone the AA, well, your battery's not in your phone, you've lost your keys, you can't get into the house. You need to find somewhere getting that car to the garage. There's a problem, the way your track's over. And there's three people standing behind you saying, just drive, start the car, just go, start it. That doesn't help anybody. You know you have to start the car, you know you have to win games. You're trying different ways of doing it. It hasn't quite worked against Dundee United, against Livingston, we're abysmal. But again, it's all about context. No manager, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, no manager could be doing much better. I don't think the post of all was given the hand he's been dealt. But get back to the, the thing to start, I, I think the players need to take responsibility as well. They need to be stronger. They need to be more determined. And I agree with you, Kevin. I agree with you, Colin. I think the players, the wind went right out of their sails. And it's a mentality thing we spoke about last week as well, I think. There is a mentality thing there. And when I say they're playing themselves out of the side, it's the re- for the reasons that you actually say there, Brian, is because they're knackered. After 60, 70 minutes on on a Sunday, there was a moment we missed a chance. I think Rog- Rogic hit the bar with the header. Mm-hmm. And Cameron Vickers and Anthony Ralston were actually on their knees, like, blowing as if they go, they're playing far too much football. And when I mean they're playing themselves out or playing themselves out of the team, is because they're playing too much football. And as soon as we get options back, these guys are going to be going for a rest because they actually do they do need it. Abada's one of them, and Abada's only 19. And I understand that 19 came into a new company, company made a flying start. 
but now we're asking him to do something that his body just can't do. But if James Forrest was in, Forrest is in for a for a badder, and yeah. that, that, that's what. But they're not there. Same with Rogic. And I, I was very, very harsh on Sunday. I know I was because Tam's never been able to play two or three games a week. It's never been in his makeup. But now we're expecting them to go on there and be absolutely fantastic. The the Rogic it was in Betis. We wanted them to be like that against Livingston, such and such. Colin? Uh, I spoke about this yesterday, and I think the point's still valid when you're talking about the likes of Rogic not being able to play three games and 90 minutes a week. Now you're, you're into your fifth game by the time Sunday comes round. See the, the game against Rafe Rovers the other week? Why was the likes of Liam Shaw, the likes of Henderson, not even thrown on for 30 minutes? so that you can turn to them in the last 15-20 if you're getting absolutely nothing out of the players that you've got there, just to try something. Do you know what I mean? Like We've sent Scott Robertson back out on loan. That's another option you could have on the bench, someone who's played first-team football before. There's got to be the chance where you're saying, what is the sort of risk of keeping someone like Rogic, who is probably playing with 10% energy, in the last 15, 20 minutes. He's got the experience, as opposed to putting someone like Liam Shaw or Ewan Henderson on, who maybe doesn't have the match fitness, but is 100% physically fit and will give you everything for 25 minutes. Isn't up to the standard, maybe, of Tom Rogic, but that extra energy can add something else to the team. It can bring the energy back into the squad. That's the times where you can say, Ange has maybe not made the right decision. That that's where I'm saying this is where he can learn from and his substitutions are coming too late in the day but when you look at the start in 11 he's putting the best team that he can physically put out there at the minute it's just when you've got to go for a plan B it's got to be made maybe slightly quicker and you've just got to take the risk on these guys see if Henderson comes on and has a great game Angie's a genius for bringing him on if he comes on and he doesn't have a bad game or if he has a bad game even then you're saying, well, it's a kid, we've thrown him in there, we'll give him a chance to develop. I don't think there's any major risk in just giving these guys some minutes. And it just helps guys like Rogic sit off for 15 minutes, get that back into your legs that you're not playing the 90 every single week. Because we've got like 13 or 14 players that we can trust, that you can say, you're actually the first team squad. Then you've got the backup squad. And... We pick up any more injuries and it just becomes a case of, can you play? Right, you're playing right back, right? Can you play? You're playing centre mid. That's the situation that we're getting to at the minute. I think, Colin, I think that's an excellent point. Actually, I suppose that's where Ange is open for criticism. I think maybe you could say, you know, he was so desperate to, to win against Ray Throvers because it's a cup competition. He tried to put his best team out. Maybe he didn't want to take the risk because of the confidence. But I, I think you're right. I think that's where... There's a question. I think Shaw looked really good in pre-season. I, I, I thought he has a physicality we don't have. Um, if I'm really honest, I would have him in the team or come off the bench far before I would have Sorrow, if I'm honest. Um, same with young Henderson. I don't see why he's not going to game. But again, we've not seen him in team, but I think that's a valid point. I think, I think that's fair. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. 
our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Um, he, he has to maybe... And again, you see that it's a learning experience, right? Maybe he's, 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 he's still finding his feet as well. And uh, To take Colin's point on, on about the Ref Rovers game, I, I expected a few more changes, in the, especially as the game progressed and they went down to 10 men. I expected a few, a few more changes. And even on Sunday... Even though Owen Moffat's on the bench, we, we we still leave that game without one substitution being made. And if you're going to make a, a go down swinging, at least at least use all your options that is there to try and do it. Even though the options are severely limited, um, but we want the players to get help. We understand the situation that Postacoglu is in. His hands are is like. His hands are tied behind his back with options that he's actually got. And we want these players to get help. And we understand that keep going back to the same well, it's going to run dry. And at the moment, especially since this international break, since the loss of our two main players in Kyogo and McGregor, that well has run dry and there's a mentality issue with this team. What we're actually, What I'm actually hoping for in the next two games is to get to the international break and take a, take a breath, settle down, mm-hmm. see who we get back, then have a decent run at it after this international break. Hopefully, by the time we, the time we get to quarter five o'clock on Sunday night, we're still only we're still only six points behind. Maybe even maybe even less than that. Who actually knows? If that is the case, then we can have a look positively. After the international break with the players that we've got coming back, because we've seen when there has been options for Ange Postacoglu, what this team can actually do. And that's what we've got to hope and pray actually happens. We didn't want to be negative, but at the moment, as Colin says, as Brian says, we've got 13 fit players and we keep going back. And when they're turning in tired performances and like off performances, Guys are getting on their back, as was proved on Sunday when there was people abusing them when they, when they were walking around the pitch at the end of 90 minutes. And for me, that's completely unfair. That is completely unfair. We've got... How many new signings have we got? We've got 12 new signings in that dressing room. Yeah, you call them 12, but you're throwing guys like Shaw and Urigidi in there who haven't really had a sniff of the ball yet since they, they signed. So uh, it's hard to count them in amongst that. Especially when you look at the guys that you've left, you've you've lost almost every single leader out of that team. The only one that's left is Callum McGregor, and at the minute we're we're desperately missing him through injury. That was a point I was actually thinking just there is like, obviously we saw how long it's taken James McCarthy to get up to speed, and that some people would say he's still not up to speed. I thought he was kind of getting there. 
with this international break coming up, considering that we've seen how bad the injuries can get for us, is it not worth taking a look out in the free agent market and just seeing if there's anybody out there that could add depth to the squad? I'm not talking about guys that can come in and play 90 minutes three times a week, but getting some depth into the squad that you can maybe turn to them for that 15, 20 minutes, especially if you're not going to trust the guys that are there already. Who's in this? You're right, but who's who's in charge of recruitment? Who's in charge of scouting the players and getting them in and negotiating? Do you know what I mean? This, this is the problem we're in because you're spot on. That's right, exactly what you should do. You get a couple of you know, placing a couple of extra attack midfield or something like that. You're spot on, but again, it's um, Velshmere, and it? it's we should be doing that. Can we do it because we, we don't have the we, we don't have any way to do it. And that's not me being hyperbolic. We don't, have, we don't have an assistant manager, but we're nearly in October. We don't have an assistant manager. We don't have a head of recruitment. We don't have a head of scouting. We've just got a sports scientist in who still has to get his own coaches in. We've not got a director of football and got a temporary CEO. Oh, so you're assessing spot on, And that's mm. And I hate that. <laughs> but the, the reality is, it's, it's where we should be what we should be doing compared to what we can do and I think that's the problem I think when you look at the Eddie Howe like mess when Poster Colgrove comes in the amount of turnover of staff we have then the amount of injuries that we have we are probably where we deserve to be we are where, where we are because of poor planning <laughs> and that is poor structural planning which unfortunately Poster Colgrove is the face of that because he's the one that's under the pressure that gets you to get results, whereas those who have caused the chaos behind can actually sip into the background. We talk about empty jerseys, there's a lot of empty suits at Celtic Park as well. Eh? I mean, I'm positive going forward, I'm really looking forward to the international break and getting players back. I was really quite surprised that Callum McGregor was named in the Scotland squad yesterday, yeah. and right away I went, I hope he pulls out. <laughs> I was going, I, I don't well, want him going anywhere. Do you know what, Kev? I, see, I see that as a positive though. Surely, surely he must be kind of on the verge of getting back to playing if he's even been considered for that. Otherwise, Celtic should have told him where to go. De- de- definitely, it was strange. I mean, but more worrying that Furuhashi hasn't been um, put in the Japanese squad again. Given him two weeks at, uh, in Glasgow, I'm f- I'm completely fine with that. And. Like Colin says, I love that positive Callum McGregor in the Scotland squad. Then right away, then right away I was like, nah, wait a minute, I didn't want him anywhere near that Scotland squad. I want, I want him, I want him back, I want him back in the bosom of the Celtic. Eh? Glasgow's green and white. Christine McGregor give us a work rate and energy that Rogic and Turnbull are not. Added to that, Abadas and Yota's lack of defensive qualities are alarming, leaving us exposed. Again, I don't think Yota and Abada are there for certain defensive aspects. I just don't think our midfield blend is right at this precise moment in time because McGregor's missing. I've said with options that we've got that our midfield midfield three will be McCarthy, McGregor, plus either Turnbull or Rogic, whoever we are playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin, I'll come to you with that. I know. I think that's a good idea, to be honest. Um, what I was saying yesterday with the with the young team when we were, we were having a wee young team session yesterday, um, you're lacking that sort of box to box midfielder. Mm-hmm. You've got 
David Turnbull, who's very much an attacking midfielder, someone who'll pick a ball up, have a shot on target or play someone in. Rogic is actually the exact same player as that. Although they kind of look different on the park, they're both not the quickest, uh, but they're both technically very good. And then you've got someone who's going to be sitting in the defensive midfield role. And at the minute, it's either McCarthy or Sorrell um, or Shaw or anybody else that's going to come in and play in that role. They don't actually have that guy that's going to link the play between defence, midfield and attack. That player isn't there. Now, Callum McGregor can do that and has done it for Celtic before, but we've kind of relied on him to drop back into that Scott Brown holding midfield role. And if you give him the freedom to do so, he can be the one to make the difference. It's been a long time since we've had somebody that's played that that role. I can't actually think, maybe going back as far as Joe Ledley, is the last player mm-hmm. I can think that's been the box-to-box midfielder. And when you're playing out from the back and you're playing the inverted fullbacks and you're going down and trying to break through teams, that's when you need that strength in the middle of the park. You need someone who wants the ball. Callum McGregor always wants the ball. He pass and move. He's a joy to watch at times. And not having him in the team, you're then looking at players who just want to pass and that's their responsibility. They're done. They move on. Brian, I'm going to bring you in here. I'm no Ted Lasso at all I, 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 didn't, I didn't know anything I don't claim to be a football manager and never neither does he <laughs> right I'm, I'm no Mike Bassett then I was trying to get in with the I was trying to get in with the young team eh? I was trying to get in with the young team that's failed I'm no Mike Bassett like some folk out there who claim who, who have played a couple of games of FIFA and think they're absolutely know everything about football but I agree with Strange Love the Doctor here uh, I think that Rogic and Turnbull have enormous qualities, but not defensively. When I'm looking at the, the limited options that Celtic have got, I see a lack of balance. And I think that over the last three games, that has been shown. Right. I think you're spot on. I think I, I think I said before, I'm a huge fan of Turnbull, but I think without Callum McGregor next team, he, he, he struggles a wee bit in that team. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Face strange, love the doctor, or how I learned to love the Celtic. I think um, you you look at that, and but then again, if, if they're not defensively minded, why would you ask them to do that defensive role? So can I go back to that thing of we, we, <laughs> we, we want to keep, we want to change things, we want to try different things, but and he says we'll play the strengths of the team. Well, the strengths of the team are going forward. We've been wanting to lack a, a defensive quality for for a long time now. Our offensive quality is what we've got. It's not quite working now, um, but what do we, we do different? And that's that's where it becomes hard. And I said for the start, I didn't, I never really thought Rodrik and, and Turnbull fitted into the same midfield. They seemed to work when McGregor was there, but again on occasion. Um, and yeah, I, I think moving forward here, the problem is as well. Even when McCarthy's sitting deeper, what he can't do that McGregor does in that role is dictate the play that's not really his game either he he so him in particular as well as much as Tumbo needs someone to be the box to box for him to go forward McCarthy needs someone to do that box to box for him to stay back and just get the tackles get in people's faces he needs a McGregor to dictate play and um, and I think that's the worrying as I say we're really we've been really critical of the the, the forward players at times we've been critical of defence but actually the midfield is the one that I think that's where the issue is and I thought that was the issue on Sunday as well 
Les comes in here uh, with a haggis as his avatar. Maybe Ange, uh, that is a haggis, eh? I think so, I'm right. Maybe Ange isn't selecting some of these fringe players mentioned because of impression at training. He can only work with what he has at his moment. Now, for me, that's the most logical and sensible conclusion that you can get while why Liam Shaw and Uragide uh, are not getting anywhere near the first team. The, the first team, they are just not impressing. And even when they're down, it doesn't bode well for their short-term future at Celtic. That when they're down to the, these bare bones, that they're not getting a sniff of first-team football calling it. No, I mean, when you really look at it, if Sorrow's the man that's going to have to come in on uh, Thursday night, tomorrow night, Who's going to be the next one in after that? It's probably going to be Nier Beaton. Nier Beaton's going to be the next option. Now, we, we spoke about his versatility, but let's be honest, he's let us down time and time again. But we're turning to him before we're even giving guys like Shaw a chance. And this is part of the thing that we were speaking about last season as well, is this pathway for young players to come into the team. You're only going to see how good they are if you give them a chance. I feel as if what the, the pressure's already on hands to put the performances in the it's as if he's kind of scared to put these players in. And we've seen the likes of Montgomery, who's had a great run. He's managed to turn Ralston around as well. If you can give these guys a chance, you can see what will happen. Now, I'm not saying you play them all. Uh, as William McMillan comes in here to say, did you see Uruguay's awful performance against Morton? We've, we've heard the kind of horror stories of that. But when you pick up 12 signings, you're not going to make 12 signings that are absolutely brilliant and can come in right away. There's going to be mistakes made. Jeez, if you go back through Celtic's transfer history over the last 10 years, mistakes were definitely made. Um, and lots of mistakes were made. But guys, you're only going to see these mistakes if you give them the chance. And if you give them the chance, it's a risk you've got to take. Scales, for me, is someone who I think we've got to take the risk on and put him in tomorrow night. Um, and Shaw as well would I start him? Probably not but if you're looking for somebody to try and shore up the team get him in there as well, just give him the chance you, you just don't know, you might just find that one remember we had Tony Watt on the bench against Barcelona and he'd barely kicked a ball for us, there's always the chance that that could be that one player Exactly, that there is that there, there is always that hope. There's always that romantic notion. As we're talking about Europe, we want to be romantic. We want to. I want Celtic to play a certain style of football. It sometimes annoys me when I when I, when people talk about certain things. I go, no, I want my Celtic team to be attacking. That's why I bought into Ange Poster Coglu big style. That's why I'm on to give them massive, massive like leeway at this precise moment in time because of the circumstances that he's found himself in through no fault of his own then the injuries fortune hasn't favoured him but over the years Celtic have never been bold with a fortune concerning European football we've never we've never actually been built for European football we're only built for domestic to, to keep one iota in front of, of Rangers and to win the league I'm, I'm well aware that probably Postacoglu is doing his inter, uh, doing his press conference just now. Eh? So Cameron Robertson comes in and says, Kyogen and McGregor not ready for tomorrow. Juranovic out for a few weeks. It's a massive night tomorrow at Celtic Park with Bayer Leverkusen. Um, the European Games last night. As I say, I want Celtic to go out there and give play football and give Bayer Leverkusen a decent game tomorrow night. 
what is your team for tomorrow night? Because I'm I'm finding it difficult not to have a look at these games as a double header. I'm having a look. Juranovic is no longer there, so right away you've got a left back problem. Is is it Montgomery or Scales for tomorrow night? Is it Montgomery or Scales? And does that mean that Ball and Golly comes back in for Patodri on Sunday? Because Adam Montgomery has probably played too much football so far, and he's looking that way. Especially on Sunday, didn't have the impact it looked like. Liam Scales looked good against Rafe Rovers, but it was a 10-man Rafe Rovers. So Scales, so you've got Montgomery and Scales and Ball and Golly coming in at the left-back spot. Cameron Robertson comes back in. Well, thank you, Cameron, for keeping us up to date. Uh, McCarthy available. So right away, McCarthy's in that McCarthy's in that sitting role. Where do, we, where do we go tomorrow night, Brian? Where do we go? For me, I, I love European nights. I think Celtic should get measured on the European stage. And for me, I want European football after Christmas. And if we get a point or three points tomorrow night, that goes a long way of getting that. And it gives us confidence going into Pataudry, but also gives us confidence going into the double header again against Ferris Varos. So tomorrow night's a tricky one, isn't it? I think I would be inclined to make changes, but I'd keep the changes for Aberdeen. So I think I would probably keep roughly the same team tomorrow night, purely because... Despite the fact that they never performed well or whatever, I do think it's our strongest team. Um, would I, I'd maybe have Montgomery in the bench and scale starting, just so you've at least got Montgomery and maybe Moffat to come on, which is, I mean, that's your two, your two subs in Europe, right? And that's a, an, an indictment of where we're at, but maybe something like that. It's hard to say. I guess Petorgi, though, I'd maybe make a couple of changes and freshen it up. Although there's a lot more pressure on the, the Petorgi game, I think that. So you mentioned scales. I would like to see him at centre-half purely because he's pace. If you look at how exposed we can be at times at the back, you need a really fast centre-half. And I think, I still have big question marks over Starfield. I think he's he's very clumsy. And I, I think he looks nervous in the ball. Scales, at least, is he's, he's a big presence and he's very fast. I'd give him a, a run against uh, Aberdeen, say. And maybe make a couple of changes. Then maybe bring Shaw and then again uh, alongside McCarthy and, and Turnbull. Um, I think the Ayeti question is a good one because if you drop Ayeti, who gets in up front? I mean, does Jota go up front or up front his own? Then who goes out wide? And if you put him the up, then where you left me? That is a, and it's not a question I can answer if I'm honest. And I think that's that's where I'm, I'm concerned about. That's where the worry is: is what we're going to do. How are we going to solve the problem of Albi? Uh, that is, that is a, a serious problem, Ayeti. That was, um, funnily enough, when coming home on the supporters bus on Sunday, there was nobody there was nobody slagging or having a go at Ange for playing Albi and Ayeti. All the ire was for whoever signed them. <laughs> whoever thought he was a football player in the, in the, in, in the, in the first place. And for me, that kind of, I find that quite, Hartman that we know why we're playing him because he's only centre-forward that's there. Uh, for me, I think McCarthy plays tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. He took a dull one on Sunday. That was a dull one that he got. And I reckon yeah, he, caught, and, and he caused it on the United equalizer because he couldn't chase Arch back in because he was still lumping about trying to, trying to tra- track the run. Uh, but I've got... McCarthy plays tomorrow night 
as the holding midfielder. I think you could see Beaton as a holding midfielder on Sunday. Colin, what do you think of that? So, I, I agree with you. I think McCarthy will start tomorrow night. <laughs> I disagree with you that I don't think Beaton will be um, involved on Sunday. Um, I actually think McGregor will come back in. I actually think that if he's not available Ooh. for tomorrow night, but he is available for the Scotland squad, there's every chance that he's fit for Sunday and they're just not taking the risk. In fact, my team is actually this team that Martin Doyle has put in uh, with a cracking joker emoji. I've went for Hart, Ralston, CCV, Starfelt, Scales, McCarthy, Turnbull, Rogic, Abada, Yota and Montgomery. Now, Yota's said time and time again that he can play anywhere through the middle, uh, anywhere up front, sorry. So through the middle is something that has got to be tried. It just We've just got to try something different because... If you keep putting Albin Ayeti in, his head's constantly down. He's missing big chances. <coughs> and at least if he's on the bench, it's an option you can turn to. It's somebody you've got there. And the other the other side of that is putting Adam Montgomery on also gives the cover for Liam Scales. Mm-hmm. Um, because Montgomery has developed into this um, left back. He is a, a left midfielder to trade. So he's comfortable playing in the position that he's picked there, but he's also comfortable coming back. And I think you've got um, Jeremy Frimpong coming back in, who is going to be running at the left-back all night, and you need that protection in there. So I think Montgomery and Scales to come in there to nullify the threat of Jeremy Frimpong is a wise idea. It'll be interesting to... Sorry, I was just going to say, you think... um, I'm going to agree with Martin Doyle and no you, because I give you too much credit today. (laughs) <laughs> the team, but do you think playing that front three then that gets back to the the, the sort of possible way we saw when Kogo was in where yeah. those three interchanging impression for the front yep. after that actually you know I maybe wouldn't have thought but that's actually a really good idea because then maybe then you see that Roger and Tumble have got that wee bit of freedom and then your fullbacks can be the almost defensive mids the way they do so that might be a good shout it could well be. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking about Ayeti. This, this takes me back. As I say, I can't see these two games other than a double header. I, I have to look at both games. Aberdeen have got a whole week off to prepare for us on Sunday. We're going to have a tough game tomorrow night. A game where we will we have the majority of the ball. I mean, bizarrely enough, in every game that they've played this season, we've always dominated the ball. I think against AZ was the only time we didn't dominate the ball. Even even against Betis, we dominated the ball. So, will we, do, will we be doing a lot of running tomorrow night? We don't know. We don't know how the game's going to play. We don't know how Leverkusen are going to approach the game uh, with us. You're talking about Ayete as well. I reckon as soon as Jakimakis has got a sniffer being fit, he's in. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me one little bit if Yakamakis actually makes his debut on Sunday at Patodre Well, it's interesting. I was on the Red Tinted Glasses podcast, which is an Aberdeen podcast, doing a preview for the game. And I actually had him in my team. Because when you look at that Aberdeen backline, David Bates, I don't know if anybody saw the, the highlights of their defeat to St Mirren at the weekend. David Bates just looked as if he was pulled out of the stand and put into the back line. And now they're playing him and they're also playing McCrory, who's a natural midfielder. If you've got a big guy that's putting himself about in there, he's going to cause them a lot of bother. And let's be honest, Ayeti's not causing anybody bother right now. So, causing me bother? 
He's causing, well, he's, he's causing the fans bother, but in terms of the opposition, he's not causing anybody bother. So even if you get 60 minutes out of him on Sunday, it's worth putting him in there as long as he, he doesn't get himself injured. Correct. And th- that's uh, that's a worry with a lack of sports science that we've actually got, Colin. Uh, was yeah. that, should they even be anywhere near the bench last Thursday night? It's all right, Kevin. We've got it covered. The good Greenock men are stepping up and helping out in there. Anton McElhone taking over. The ex-Morton manager is the head of sports science. Anything you need, the Greenock guys are here to help you out. <laughs> I don't know if that's... A, I remember getting sent down to Greenock for other stuff, but um, maybe no stuff, stuff to help you out. Eh? Um, you get a good slice roll, that's all you got. I, I get, oh, oh, <laughs> I'm not having an argument about and slicing again, but, but, but we're not going to have that argument. It's eh? lunchtime, I'm, Kev. I'm not even going to open that up to the comments. Well, I need to know because you've said it. Fans in here the game, World Division. Aye, aye, right. Colin calls a rolling sausage a rolling slice. I call it a rolling sausage. Right, comments, I want to use what is it as a rolling slice or a rolling sausage? I think we've already, we've, we've already distinguished the fact that it's only if you're from probably Greenock down the Ayrshire coast. Then it's a, a rolling so a rolling slice. Everywhere else it's a rolling or a rolling square or, a rolling square or, or something a rolling like that. Square, so, so, something else. I mean, Europe for me is always important. Oh, Tony Aiken comes in square. Uh, he's for Falkirk, eh? Oh, slice. Yes, man. <laughs> um, Europe's always important for me because I want to see guys have breakout performances in Europe. And the more a night, I'm looking. For, I'm looking for my defenders to have a breakout performance. I'm looking for Carter Vickers to continue what has been an, an impressive start domestically and also in Europe. I'm hoping Starfelt. I think Starfelt will actually start because that looks like the the the, the partnership that Poster Coglu wants. I want him to get over his jitters and actually come into a decent performance and maybe a performance where he might just need to defend and not have to carry the ball forward and look really, really uncomfortable might suit him. I'm also I'm also looking for like uh, I'm looking for like Yota and Abada to do something against a better side to go, these guys have got what it takes in the future to take us mm-hmm. to the level that I want to go as well. So for me tomorrow night, for the progress of the team, is absolutely paramount as well. Look, we could get a doing, but I want to see signs that we've got players there that can actually play at that level once we get a consistency of selection and options available. I mean, Europe last night, there were some strange results in Europe last night. So strange results can happen in Europe. Sean Joseph Maxwell comes in, wanting a wee shout out for Sheriff Tara Spall. I would, I would say to Sean, go and read yeah, the background. Go, 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 Sean, Sheriff are absolutely uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I would. For 22 years, and they've won 20 league titles. They've got a £200 million stadium. Aye, you know, and... plenty of money, so just because you don't know them, Sean. Uh, they're a plaything for the Russian state just in the bet a, a team who's been state-sponsored by the Spanish government for a long time as well. If you wanted to... If you wanted two games that summed up what was wrong with European football last night, it was in Paris and Madrid. <laughs> and that shows you the state of European football. Results, for me, the most impressive result last night was Bruges. Colin, yeah. 
Jack Hendrick could be playing in the last 16 of the Champions League. Oh, honestly, I mean, there's going to be some amount of revisionism if he does. Um, let's be honest, right? He was never good enough for us, but you get these players that are never good enough and then they go and have a great career elsewhere. That's that's all well and good. I mean, do we captain the Chinese national team over a hundred times? So that tells you how even the worst can be half decent just elsewhere. No, but fair play to him. Um and to be honest, the, the, the bigger kind of side of that isn't the Bruges result. It's not that the Bruges doing well because they are a very good side when you look at them, they're they're put together very well. It's Leipzig. Leipzig are so hot and cold right now, it's ridiculous. They go from winning, what was it, 6-0 at the weekend to then losing last night and then they get turfed off a Bayern Munich. Now, we were kind of linked with Jesse Marsh a way back when he said he would be very interested in coming and taking the Celtic job. He was the the ex-Salzburg manager, the American. But he's having the same problems of trying to integrate his style of football and when it works, it's great. And when it doesn't work, you get results like you did last night. But I reckon he'll get as much time as he needs to integrate that Leipzig side, even though they're probably the second or third biggest team in Germany because Dortmund can be so hot and cold. We're coming up against one of the other big sides to, uh, tomorrow night. But it, it just shows you that even other people putting their philosophy in takes a bit of time to settle. Aye, but then you're not allowed to have... I mean, Leipzig have probably factored in the fact that they have an overhaul of players every summer. And they've got a new coach coming in, even though they, they, they work to a similar... Every coach that they bring in works to a similar model. They're still, they still lose their best players virtually every, every summer. And they still have to replace them every summer, integrate new players. But seemingly that's not allowed as an excuse for patchy, patchy form. Whose who's news comes in? I love this, I love this. Sliced sausage was made for fishermen so the sausages wouldn't roll off the pan. That makes a lot of sense with it being <laughs> a sort of Inverclyde thing, doesn't it, when you think about it? Aye, so, so, so there basically, there we go. I mean, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, <laughs> take that away and tell your neighbours in the pub why sliced sausage was exists, why sliced sausage was made. If you take nothing else away, you can take that to the bank. So, somebody, came, somebody came in the comments asking what would I call a rolling links? It's a rolling links. No. <laughs> <laughs> Preferably with a totty scone on it as well. Oh, brilliant. This is, look, tomorrow night, Paradise Under the Lights it is always Paradise Under the Lights on a European night uh, no Paradise but the dashboard light that was the great song great oh, song again you were going to say that Colin right I, I need to move swiftly on there um, um, <laughs> the fishermen of Inverclyde are struck again I oh, know I know sausages and meatloaf man has <laughs> this turned into a Jamie Oliver podcast Um uh, Right, Aberdeen. <laughs> Tomorrow night, Leverkusen. What we expect and what we want and we see. Colin, you go first. Looking for a team to improve on their performances individually um, and as a whole, coming together and working as a team. Now, we talk about those two tackles from the weekend, which could have put some serious injury to players. Nobody stood up for the teammates. Nobody came out there and basically showed the togetherness. They can do that lap of honour, whatever they call it at the end, to show they're together. I want to see it on the park. I want to see his fight for every ball, every decision, and 
hopefully get the whole crowd behind them and drive them on because a, a full house and a European night at Celtic Park under the lights, it can cause teams to have trouble against us. Even the biggest teams have found that. So 90 minutes, getting behind the guys, the guys putting in 100% effort and then at least no matter what the result is, if you put in 100% effort, you can come away from it saying we did everything that we could. Brian, what's your what's your thoughts about tomorrow night? Expectations, obviously, it's going to be a hard game. The any German side are, are 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 such a high level. I'm a big fan of German football, but I just want us to play the way Postecoglou was set out. I would like is um, you know Colin mentioned is going to maybe revert to the the, the the high movement front three. So maybe Jota Montgomery, not just that that aggressive press. They maybe approach the game in. in uh, in Spain just really go for it if you're going to go down go down swinging you know score goals go for it um, I think you made a good point Kev I think Starfield's actually better when he's, he's just has to defend and you certainly have to defend tomorrow night so listen if we get anything away from tomorrow night's game it's a, it's a brilliant result we take a draw there I'll be delighted with that because I think we're playing a very very good side and obviously we're a side low in confidence but this could be the game where we turn that around if we have a good performance the players play well we get uh, you know score a couple of goals that that can spur us on and uh, and, and get confidence back because that's what we're solely missing. Definitely, I'm looking for a positive performance. I'm looking for positivity from the players. I'm looking for a wee bit of bounce back, and also I want to see how far we've got to go against a decent decent side, um, because we want to get measured. Against European, uh, against European sides, eh? and like, if we get it right in Europe, we get it right domestically, and we've got to start taking the small steps now to of, of progress. I don't know what the result will be. Nobody can actually predict the result, eh? but I want I, I want us to be exciting. I don't want us to actually come off the park thinking we've left everything in the. We didn't want to leave anything in the dressing room. We want to go out there and actually just give them a game. Go out and give them a game and make them make them know that they've been in a game. Aye, uh, leave everything I, on the park. I don't, leave don't, absolutely uh, on the park. Then we get to Sunday. I think on Sunday, I think Scales will play on Sunday. I think Montgomery will get the shout tomorrow night. I, I'm not too sure if, if Scales will get the shout tomorrow night. I'm more, I'm more, I, I'm more likely. I more see Scales at, at, at Pataudry, but. Aberdeen, as I say, they've had all week. They'll, 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 they won't watch what Leverkusen do to us because Aberdeen can't play the same way as Bayer Leverkusen. Will they actually take like note of what Livingston and Dundee United have done, the constant time waste and the breaking up the game? Because Stephen Glass doesn't seem like that kind of manager. He's another one who, who seems to be sticking to his philosophy and even though it's not quite working at the moment, I think Aberdeen will be a more open game for us than the last two, and the last two than Dundee United and Livingston. What do you think of that, Brian? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I just want to quickly answer the, the comment that came up for Glasgow's green and white. If, if we score first with the Zans do, I think what he does is, is what he's, he's tried to do for the start is, is stick to that aggressive defending for the front, out of possession, try to win the ball back. I don't think we can sit back because I think that will just entice him to come forward and I don't think we're good enough to, 
to withstand blows of Baraji. So I think he has to just, you know, keep the high press and, and pressure off the ball. And I think you're right, uh, Aberdeen, I think, will come and play against us. To be fair, I don't think Dundee United really sat in. I thought they came and played really well. I thought I think he's done a good job with them, so so credit to them. But I expect more well, more of the same with a better result on Sunday. Just just the time wasting of Dundee United and the minute and a half to take by kicks just really annoyed me. It really did annoy me. Uh, right, that's has been on for an hour. And I think after a wee negative start for me, I think we've been positive. Bring on the Germans, bring on the Celtic under the lights, two nothing victory. Here we go. See you later, lads. Yeah. Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.